Are we at a turning point? Sitting out here by the fire, beautiful night, no moon, beautiful stars, great opportunity to talk about some of these, uh, I guess you could say complicated things. And I haven't done a podcast in a while, and I'll talk about that shortly. My intention was to say optimistically, hey, I think things are getting better, or maybe we've given the developments over the last uh, three or four weeks, maybe um, in the first part of November 2022, maybe people have started to come to their senses about certain things. Then I thought, well, if you start with economics and you're going to talk about society, maybe you wouldn't want to say that. So I think what I will say is this. Are we at a turning point? And I will answer it in a way that doesn't necessarily play to the optimists. (laughs) I mean, I think ultimately all of this is optimistic because I think we are at a turning point. I'm going to explain why. But it may not be a pleasant experience from here on. And we'll talk about that in Podcast 1079, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Still watching fuel prices. We're going to talk about that a little bit in this podcast. And again, if you want to save a couple of pennies maybe or more on fuel independent refueling stations are great because they make their own deals for fuel and so my favorite sponsor is 36 lynn the independently owned and operated refueling station in south minneapolis at 36 street south and lindale avenue in the lynn lake neighborhood they're great because of course they get a good deal on fuel and i'm really thinking about that a lot these days but in addition they are also down with the community. They have a great little store which is packed with locally sourced products, all kinds of things, especially great to-go food, especially candy. I talk about the candy. I don't even eat candy. I just know they have stuff in there I don't think you can get anywhere else. They have great snacks and great coffee. Go in there. Say hello. They're crazy. Check out their Instagram feed, 36 Lynn. A lot of good stuff there, and happy Thanksgiving and and, uh, happy holiday season, so to speak, for the short term. When we get to Christmas, I will say Merry Christmas, but we're too early for that. (laughs) To and from the guys at 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station in South Minneapolis. Thanks again for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcasts. So it's been a while since I did a podcast, mainly because I have a writing project and I've decided this winter, instead of just sitting out here in the desert, um, I, I'm going to write something. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I'm writing because the more you talk about what you're writing, the less you write. But it's all-encompassing. It is pulling uh, almost all of my mental energy, and, and it's a good thing. It makes me feel good. I'm enjoying doing this. And so I, I, I don't have much mental energy to even think about doing a podcast. And I've been sort of thinking on, an, on another track, what am I going to do a podcast about? For, for since I did the last podcast, which had to do with two years on the road and what that's like and other stuff. And finally, I hit on this idea of a turning point in history. And then I thought, well, you know, if I do that, there's going to be a lot of political, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there I don't, I don't usually talk about, I don't want to talk about. How am I going to do this? And then today I was looking at my uh, spate of data that I always look at for uh, economic reasons since I was so focused on the price of fuel a year ago. Uh, since then, I've really developed a, sort of a, almost a financial or macroeconomic discipline of learning about it and reading about it and becoming uh, hopefully fluent in explaining 
what I think is going on and why for myself and for others and what I'm doing is I'm orienting I'm first I'm observing I'm orienting I'm making decisions I'm acting on those decisions the main thing that I've learned is I thought at the beginning of January and the beginning of uh, late winter early spring of last year that the changes that I thought were going to happen would happen quickly and I think the thing that I need to understand is that when we reach these these when we look at these macro problems the the wheel turns very slowly so when we talk about a turning point then we have to use some kind of analogy um, some people would, would use a biological analogy some people might suggest some sort of physics uh, analogy or some hard science analogy I'm gonna use the analogy of what we used to call a wheelhouse back in the day trains would come to their culmination point and they would go into the wheelhouse and the, the, the train would be turned on this giant wheel from the track it came in on to uh, another track that it's going to go out on. So it'll go out in a completely different direction once it's all fully loaded and everything else. But the locomotive and the, and the coal car and all that had to be, it couldn't be switched and turned around because it would take in too much space. So they go into a wheelhouse and they're turned and they go out on another track. We're, if we look at change in our society right now, we're in that wheelhouse when i was talking about this stuff a year ago we weren't even in the wheelhouse our train had barely come into the station so we've moved through the station we've moved to the wheelhouse we've kind of been in the wheelhouse and now that turntable that wheelhouse is beginning to turn very slowly and so that's the fulcrum that i'm talking about we're looking at very major changes and we're looking at uh, slow changes and then once that train starts to move the changes will become more apparent and faster I think uh, what's going on Bob Davis what are you talking about and again this is the part I have to really focus on getting done and spoken as succinctly as I possibly can I've done podcasts on the Federal Reserve I've done podcasts on the enormous central bank responsibility for creating the inflation that we are experiencing now singularly i do not support the idea that uh supply side shortages caused inflation i do not support the idea that uh, the stimulus both from the trump administration on into the biden administration i'm not going to get into it and the reason is i've done three podcasts about it so i'd recommend podcast 1069 if you want to understand what i'm talking about the short version is if you think that uh, the stimulus packages uh, in, in during covid caused the inflation if you add them all up maybe you'll get 50 to 70 billion dollars worth of expenditures which are monetized by the federal reserve just like all federal spending you can't blame it on uh, on on one president you kind of have to look at why they did it and whether it was a good idea or not a good idea has nothing to do with inflation the inflation was created by 10 years of quantitative easing 95 billion dollars a month of securities etc gone through the strainer of the federal reserve and the banking system and then loaned out as part of a debt equals money money equals debt monetary system which the united states and, and the west has and the money went into the markets creating an enormous wealth effect creating the largest uh, speculative stock bubble in history 
And as the Federal Reserve begins to raise interest rates, the largest, fastest increases in interest rates in the United States history consistently. And finally, uh, withdrawing the quantitative easing and turning it into quantitative tightening of pulling $95 billion of liquidity out of the system every month. Well, that's like putting the car in reverse and backing down the hill. And that is exactly what is happening. You're seeing disinflation and deflation in the markets. Uh, we're seeing 10, 20, 30, 40%, depending on the day down from peaks. And in particular, in certain commodity markets, you're seeing uh, you know, continued price deterioration and nobody knows why they keep saying it's because the Fed hasn't pivoted, but they will. Uh, David Rosenberg and others have said that the Fed is in fact trying to break the link between Main Street and Wall Street and people who are should be you know running carpeting businesses who are focusing on buying crypto and investing in the markets similar to what happened in 1929 uh, and that's another podcast I'm not going to go into that in depth so essentially you have a reversal of what for 10 years the Federal Reserve through various Fed presidents was doing they tried to start tightening in 2018 uh, Trump had a fit and pilloried Jay Powell, his new uh, Federal Reserve chair, and uh, went nuts because he wanted the markets to continue to be, uh, you know, buoyed up by Federal Reserve uh, efforts. And then, of course, COVID came along and Jay Powell became the, uh, the guy on the white horse with his pedal to the metal printing money wildly. Now, I know the Federal Reserve doesn't print money. The Mint prints money. The Treasury Department prints money. But in fact, the Federal Reserve does create money. They create debt. That equals money. The The debt is uh, loaned out by banks uh, in the United States to companies uh, and to other you know, individuals and so on and so on, people starting businesses. So it is in the banking system and it is in the, uh, you know, the consumer economy as well. That's what we've been living through. That's all going to be rewound now. So that's all I need to say about that. Now, there's more to the turning point, that wheel turning at the train yard, than uh, just economics. I, I think you have to start with the economics because uh, if you didn't, you would look at things that aren't really uh, anchored in any anything so you know political science is a social science uh, market research and demography are social sciences uh, sociologists conduct surveys with uh, psychologists and market researchers and so forth they look at census data and they ask people about their behavior and they ask about attitudes and they measure the difference between the two and so on and so on so it's a lot of hard data uh, is sifted through much like an archaeologist to come up with certain conclusions about, quote-unquote, where we're headed. And when I talk about political science, I'm not talking about somebody's personal feelings about a politician or even politicians. Political science is really about the data. It's about who votes, where they vote, how they vote, uh, and over time what changes occur in, in voting. That's political science. Not uh, uh, pounding your fist and screaming and yelling about things that uh, may or may not be of any import or value in the long term. So political science is not the the actual politics. It's it's the study of the data. And when I talk about turning points, because I look at society and I study society and I talk about society, whether it's nomads or what I see passing through a town, uh, that's what really gets me going. History, society, economics, demography, those are interesting things to me. I don't really care about what somebody thinks about so-and-so. And 
I don't really care about any of that. And I don't talk about it because what's the point? You're just yelling at people and people are yelling back and it's silly. And the people that are excited are the people that are getting yelled about because uh, they agree with what you're saying and the ones that don't hate you. I just, that's eh, not doing it. This is different. Are we at a turning point socially? That's the question of this podcast. And I have to start with the economic data in order to make that clear. What's the whole, in, in the most succinct way that I can explain, what is the, uh, the top line from all the economic data? And that is, and I could do a whole podcast describing why, how, what's going on. It's real simple. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates and stopping quantitative easing. In other words, pulling $95 billion a month of securities and support for the markets every month, which gathers momentum as time goes on. In order to rein in inflation, which currently is running at about 7.3%. They look at a lot of different data to do this. There's an awful lot of controversy about what data they look at. Some of it's forward indicators, some of it's backward indicators, jobs, uh, job openings, um, unemployment things like the Phillips curve, which is controversial, and on and on and on. And then they make a decision and they decide whether they're going to raise interest rates or not based on those numbers and on um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the inflation rate. We are now starting our way down the mountain. So let's just imagine our situation as being in a roller coaster. We're at the top of the hill at that point where you feel weightless. So you're at the absolute apogee. I think that's the word of this um, this ride up the roller coaster. So at first you're looking up and you're seeing blue sky because you're pointed up. And then the cars start to come down the hill very slowly and the horizon goes goes the other way and the, the finally the horizon line is up and then pretty soon all you can see is the fairgrounds below you as this thing starts down and then it gathers steam and then the terror starts you start to scream everybody has a good time and the roller coaster goes on down right we're at the apogee right now and because these things are like the wheelhouse they operate these changes occur very slowly we don't have a sense of movement but we're that's where we are and we are about to see we're already seeing uh, disinflation, which basically is a, is a slow uh, reduction of prices within the rate of inflation. And we're seeing deflation in certain areas. Now, I have to tell you, there's two kinds of deflation. There's the deflation described by Kathy Wood as the deflation that actually is created by uh, innovations and technology and improves productivity and lowers prices. And then there's the bad inflation, which is uh, a monetary condition. The Federal Reserve has removed an enormous amount of money from the from the actual base of, of uh, currency in the system. We just haven't realized the effects of that yet. So now we're on that point at which in, in 2023, we're probably going to start realizing the effects of all of these interest rate increases, but importantly, the quantitative easing being tightened. It's called quantitative tightening. And we haven't got to the point where the roller coaster starts starts to to descend. So, on a social stand from the social standpoint, I just want to say one other thing about inflation. This is the most pernicious condition for society there is. Whether you go back to, uh, I think it was Diocletian who began to debase the currency in Rome, 
or the German inflation in the interwar period between 1929 and 1939, uh, 33 or so, 34, uh, or inflations anywhere else they occur. Well, we could even use the inflation that occurred in the United States uh, in the 1970s more, more accurately than the ones where we used to just let inflations run their course. The cure for high prices is high prices, such as the inflation after World War I. But in any case, inflations are like a cancer on society. They cause um, reactions that no one's going to point to and say that's inflation causing that reaction. Uh, you had uh, moral debasement in Rome, and you have had moral debasement by any measure in the United States, uh, and you had moral debasement in Germany as well in the interwar period, uh, and it was because of inflation. Inflation is like um, pouring acid into a finely tuned piece of machinery. It destroys all of the working parts until those have to be removed and everything has to be rebuilt. So this is where we're at with society. Uh, you know, inflation is, is, is literally eating through all the gears and pulleys and cables that run our society or, or that our society has worked on. Inflation is destroying that. Uh, and, and it isn't just the current inflation. It's the inflation that existed and has existed really since the early 1960s. If you look at the U.S. dollar since 1960, something like uh, it's something like one-eighth, if, if that, one-eighteenth of its value from back then. So we've suffered this inflation for, you know, 60 years, and we've never really addressed it. So in the words of Jeremy Grantham, uh, you have a, uh, a three, um, something like a three uh, standard deviation uh, bubble, the biggest bubble of all time because it's interrelated and worldwide at the same time. Housing, automobiles, stocks, other kinds of securities. You have all sorts of other problems related to uh, people trying to escape the effects of inflation by either putting their money into commodities that are going up uh, or stocks that are going up or the fear of missing out or crypto or anything else. And we are seeing signs that those things are starting to deteriorate. The cancer is hitting, the acid is hitting the gears of the market. And uh, we are beginning to realize that there are, we're in this situation where not, already there's disinflation, signs of bad deflation, and if it continues, and many of the people that I listen to and a lot of people, and they aren't crazy conspiracy theorists, they're market guys, believe that uh, even if the Fed were to quote unquote pivot or switch course at this time, uh, you know, it, it, it wouldn't stop what is about to happen. It can't stop the roller coaster from coming down this, this hill, this massive hill that has, uh, that has developed. And you have to understand, and I've said it in a couple podcasts, the insurance agent, the real estate agent, the uh, car salesman, the, the RV salesman, the guy trying to sell you stocks, uh, your money manager, all these people are going to, to tout the positives until they don't have any more positives to tout. And it is the intention of the Fed to extract blood from those people and from you and I. That's the intention. So the investors and the people that are trying to find um, a spot in the shade or shelter in the storm, there will be nowhere to go. And what that means is you will see a reduction in value in almost every single asset class. Housing, cars, used cars, RVs, 
you know, uh, paintings, uh, the whole nine yards, even probably gold and silver and everything else, unless you're talking to people who sell gold and silver. Uh, we're in a, we're in this point here where uh, now we're, we're, we're going to see. Now, in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to very quickly just talk a little about, a little about the social effects of this and where I think we're headed, and, uh, and that'll be it. Thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast, and thank you, uh, Mindy Collins and Judy Murphy and Katie Davis and uh, Andrew Davis for the coffee, uh, Todd uh, Myers and many, many others, and for all of you who have sent donations to thebobdavispodcast.com. Get us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places. Just search for The Bob Davis Podcasts or thebobdavispodcast.com. Again, if, if you're a little confused on the economic stuff, listen to Podcast 1069, not Podcast 1068, because I left some key things out in Podcast 1068. 1069, I kind of think I hit it on the head. So uh, look for that if you want to get more information about the Federal Reserve and, and all this other stuff. I'm more interested in the negative effects of uh, deflation. It's interesting to me, I thought this morning... Um, about all the things that have been going on recently in the in this time frame, late November 2022, and the reactions to it. And it doesn't see people, you know, it's drugs, it's guns, it's this, it's that, it's that person, it's this person. And I realized, I was like, you know what? Nobody realizes that what I'm talking about is going on. They don't realize that that this situation is going on and that no one can predict when the market is finally going to capitulate. No one can predict the event that capit- that causes the capitulation. In other words, throwing in of the towel. Uh, and when that happens, that's going to be a shock to a lot of people. So when people start losing their jobs, when companies start going bankrupt, this is what deflation does. When companies have to pay back their debts that they borrowed at inflated dollars, at deflated dollars, they go out of business. You see defaults. You see these strange artifacts like FTX going under uh, in billions and billions of dollars. And think Enron. Think um, Lehman. Think, uh, you know, Bear Stearns. That people said, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. we're at that point because because why because the federal reserve has pulled the so-called uh, proverbial punch bowl away from the party and as uh, david roseberg said recently it, it, you know he wasn't pulling the they are not pulling the punch bowl away at the beginning of the party they're pulling the punch bowl away or he said specifically jay powell the federal reserve chair is pulling the punch bowl away at, after he's been the bartender till 3 a.m. and everyone's wasted, he's trying to take the punch bowl away. That's kind of what's going on. But it occurred to me that most people are not aware of this. They are furiously trying to maintain a, a standard of living, a, 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 an approach. And I don't fault anyone for doing this because we don't like change. And if what is ahead is a depression... If we are, if what is ahead is a, an extended period of economic contraction, or even a bad recession, well, if you think that you've just experienced a difficult time in life, you're about to be very, very uh, negatively surprised.
it will be very disappointing to you if you think that this was the hard part. We have just lived through the really good part of this, where they gave us money and they lowered interest rates and we got to get through this whole thing and people got to stay home and then they got to work by remote and they got to go on the road and do their stuff by digital and it seemed like a whole new world was about to open and then the door is about to be slammed shut in your face very quickly uh, because companies are going to go out of business, people are going to lose their jobs, they won't know why. They won't understand why because this is very difficult to learn about and to explain. And again, for me, it started all with the price of fuel. And, you know, we, if I monitor the price of fuel, we are, I monitor the price of oil. And I'll, I'll tell you before the end of the podcast that, uh, you know, oil prices and oil speculators and oil, you know, whatever, uh, crude oil, they're looking at a contango, which is basically when they have to start looking around to store oil. Why? Why did Saudi Arabia cut production? Why? I'll tell you why. Why is the U.S. Why is the US oil industry so reluctant to uh, drill for more oil? Well, it has nothing to do with the so-called, you know, uh, well, it isn't so-called. We, we should have more refineries. We haven't built a refinery in the United States in 40 years. But anyway, uh, the reason is because they see something we don't see. They see uh, demand falling off a cliff, literally. They see the uh, manufacturing index way down at something like 48 when 50 plus is expansion. They see the service industry, uh, you know, uh, index down below, uh, I think it was some ridiculous number, like 42 or something this month, when 50 is expanding. And they see other signs of demand destruction across the board. And that uh, you know, it's it's sort of maybe how Michael Burry felt, uh, you know, in the movie Big Short, right before, you can understand his uh, angst right before the markets finally tanked and, and his his short bets, in other words, his, his counter bets materialized and he was able to make. So he kept saying, this is a certainty, and it, yet it didn't happen, it didn't happen, and didn't happen until it finally happened. Again, the wholly slow uh, way that these economic situations develop and really honestly at any time perhaps it could change so you know if it does then i will reorient and because of facts change on the ground i will change but for the time being i would say that the pain has not begun and that people should fasten their seatbelts and prepare because when this thing goes the other way when you see the market capitulation if it happens but i think it will uh then uh, it, it, you're going you're gonna to look back on the time before that as this wonderful, happy time, even though we're not happy. <laughs> now, the good news is we have to have recessions in capitalism in order to blow up um, basically non-productive entities and to, and to burn away uh, a lot of excess uh, cartilage. It just has to happen. And certainly no one prefers a depression and nobody likes a recession. But if it's a particularly deep recession and it lasts a long time, we call it a depression. And if we have deflation with it and it is out of control, all these people saying, oh, well, never, we're never going to get oil prices back to where they were. They may go lower than that if we have a significant economic downturn. And we haven't had one since 1930. I think I've managed to keep this fairly short and, 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 and again, what is going to be the effect? So we've had this effect of, of inflation on social mores and the way people talk and how people are and all of the things that we see, uh, you know, this sort of harsh 
uh, and nasty uh, politics that the United States has right now and the and the you know people doing crazy things and for seeming no no reason it's just crazy what's going on and yet people still go out and they buy big screen TVs and toys for the kids uh, for Christmas on Black Friday you know and, and instead of keeping that money we here uh, I, we were going to go up to uh, Parker for Thanksgiving and go to the casino and have our Thanksgiving dinner for $30 and we looked at each other and we were like I uh, I didn't want to spend the money so we had uh, English muffins and uh, and uh, sourdough bread and uh, I don't know I had some uh, summer sausage from Walmart in the cooler cut that up made some coffee and cut up a pepper and some cheese and that was thanksgiving dinner <laughs> because i don't want to spend the money because i have a feeling based on what information i've been taking in and i'm not talking about conspiracy theories i'm talking about the numbers uh, that we are that we are at that point in the roller coaster where we start looking at the fairgrounds and going oh my god and that's when and everyone screams and they have a good time you know that's the whole fun of a roller coaster right unless it falls off (laughs) and then it's not fun anymore so you've been having fun and uh, even if you don't know that you've been having fun and and what we're going to see is this turning point and that's when the turning the turntable with the you know the wheel with the train on it clicks into space and you see the door open and the train chuffs its way out of the wheelhouse on a new path and uh, and that's when the good things happen that's when the productivity increases happen that's when you can sort of chart a new course but you have to go through the hard part first very quickly appreciate the sponsorship of uh, bu enterprises buenterprises.com what do they do they use modern technology to get people online to uh, work together and uh, get some stretching in, get some breathing in to hopefully make them more productive at home, at work. They can do groups at, at work. They can do corporate accounts. They can do individuals. You could do your neighborhood, all your friends, and it's really great. And you don't have to be some physical uh, specimen to be able to do this. It's all about your health and wellness. In addition, now that they've gotten some legs under them doing the you know the the virtual stuff there's they're also going to be offering actual classes uh, on all sorts of things i mentioned some of it face yoga uh tai chi uh things of that nature looking for instructors looking for people and and they will let you know we'll let you know i'll let you know uh, when we get closer to it. If you want more information about what BU Enterprises does, they get you back into your body, they wake you up, they get you breathing, they make you more productive. That's what it's all about. BU Enterprises, buenterprises.com, or click on their banner at the top of the page at the thebobdavispodcast.com. So there you go. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1079, the Bob Davis Podcast. Are we at a turning point? Yes, but it's not as optimistic as I thought it would be. (laughs) But in a sense, in the end, it is optimistic. So just hold that thought closely, and I will do another podcast quickly before the end of November. Thanks for listening to the Bob Davis Podcast. (sighs) 